Well, I grew up in Northeast Ohio, and where we lived right before we moved to Northeast Wisconsin was about 10 minutes away from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. As Packer fans, you should know that place very well. The irony is the closest NFL franchise to the Hall of Fame is the Cleveland Browns, and they don't send many players there. Uh, but Hall of Fame weekend was always, it was always a big weekend, and there would be all the dignitaries from the NFL, all of the all of the Hall of Framers, the enshrinees, and their families would be there, and then there would be celebrities who would come into town to perform at the Hall of Fame parties. They would have, have big showings. They would bring in just notable guests and dignitaries. So there were all these celebrities that would converge in Northeast Ohio for a span of four or five days all around the Pro Football Hall of Fame inductions. And one of my friends one time was eating at a restaurant, and all of a sudden they looked up, and Michael Strahan, the former New York Giants, great defensive player, now on Good Morning America and some NFL coverage, he and his entourage walked into the restaurant, and they had reserved part of the restaurant. And my friend went up and tried to talk to Michael Strahan, uh, Michael Strahan and Michael Strahan just blew him off. He, he wouldn't talk to him. Now, that doesn't mean Michael Strahan's a bad guy. We don't know if Michael Strahan was with his family. We don't know if he was with other friends. We don't, we don't know all the details around that. All I know is they saw Michael Strahan. They thought it was a really cool opportunity and a really big deal, and they approached him, and he wouldn't talk to them. Now, some of you have experienced something like that. Some of you have experienced seeing a celebrity out and about, trying to communicate with them, and for whatever reason, they wouldn't talk to you. Normally, you just blow it off unless, you, unless it's your hero, right? And there, there's the old saying, be careful when you meet your heroes, because you might be disappointed in what you encounter. Some of you have had the opportunity to meet a celebrity, and it's been a great experience. And you tell the story fondly of, of the encounter, and you share what, what happened. People love the idea of communicating with celebrities. Now, I mean, a number of celebrities will film a short video and, and send it off to somebody. So it's not a real conversation, but kind of. And, and people love to get those videos Sometimes you, you meet somebody and, and it's just the highlight of your day. Sometimes it, it isn't at all and it's just an experience that you wish you didn't have in hindsight. But there's something about it when you have the opportunity to talk to somebody who's accomplished a lot of things or somebody that you admire, whether it's an athlete, whether it's a musician, whether it's an actor, whether it's just an expert in a field that intrigues you and excites you, whatever the case may be, there we all have those people that if we were to encounter, it'd be really cool to get to have a conversation with them. It'd be really cool to get to ask them some questions and, and to spend a couple minutes of time just, just talking with them. And yet, as cool as that is, for the vast majority of people, the encounters that you have with a celebrity don't change your life. They might be a cool story to tell, or they might be a story of, of regret, whatever the case may be. Most encounters that you have with a celebrity don't really change your life. What we're going to talk about today is something that's even more impressive than talking to whatever celebrity, insert here, it's different for all of us, but if you had the opportunity to have a conversation with the, with the person you're the biggest fan of, what we're going to talk about today is even more impressive than that. And what we're going to talk about today is not only more impressive than that, but what we're going to talk about today actually has the opportunity to change your life. 
you get to meet a celebrity, you get to have a conversation with them, it's going to be a couple minutes, it's going to be a cool story for you to be able to tell, but chances are your life isn't really going to change as a result of that encounter. But the encounter we're going to talk about today, it'll change you. It will impact your life in ways you can't even begin to imagine and you can't even begin to fathom. This morning, we're going to be looking at the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. We're going to be looking at the start of chapter 2. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to download the Bible app if you haven't already. It's a phenomenal resource that's available no matter what, what kind of brand your phone or your tablet is. Go to the app store of your choosing, type in Bible. It will be the first one that pops up there. If it's not, it's called just it's called the Uversion Bible app. Download it, install it on your device. And one of the there's a number of great features. There's all kinds of different translations available. There's a verse of the day. It will send you notifications to your phone or your device if you want to. One of the features that's available within the Bible app is called events. And you can follow along with us under the events feature of the Bible app, either by enabling your locations or by typing in zip code 54201. There, Lakeside Community Church will pop up, and you can follow along with us there. If you have a traditional Bible with you, we're going to be in the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. We're going to begin at chapter 2, verse 1. And if you're streaming from home, the verses will be available on the screen below. As last week, we started something called Brand New. And what we saw last week as we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is that every person who makes the decision to follow Jesus, whether you call yourself a Christ follower or a Christian or however you phrase it, every person who makes the decision to follow Jesus is, is a new creation. That God changes us and he changes us to our core. And what we saw last week is that we've actually been reconciled. That as a result of our rebellion, what the Bible calls sin, the choices that all of us have made, that go against what God's standard is for our lives, that because of, because of that rebellion, there was a problem in our relationship with God. But Jesus came and he made it so that we could have a restored and a renewed relationship with our Creator in spite of our rebellion. And last week we saw that we can be reconciled to God, and this week we're going to see some of the benefits of that. And I promise you, I promise you, if you will put into practice what we talk about today, I promise you, it will change your life. 1 Timothy 2, starting verse 1, we read these words. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Now, the book of 1 Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote it to, to, to somebody who was younger in Timothy. Paul was a man. And he talked to Timothy about a number of things in the faith. He talked to Timothy about a number of ways to, to lead a church and to encourage people and impact people in their lives. So that's kind of the, the first chapter of 1 Timothy is setting all that up. Then 1 Timothy chapter 2, we get to this. And the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Now, I'm willing to bet that most don't go around and talk about your supplications. Most of you don't use that word. And if you do use that word, you're probably the only person you know that uses that word. It's not a word that a lot of people use anymore. And the idea that's behind supplications is that this is a prayer of need. A supplication is a prayer of need. And honestly, these are the easiest prayers for any of us to pray. These are the prayers we pray when we don't know what to do. 
when we have planned, when we have prepared, when we are faced with a circumstance or a situation, and we don't know what to do. We find ourselves in a situation of need. These are universal, the easiest prayers for people to pray because there's a need that's present, and so it's easy. Now, just because they're the easiest prayers for people to pray doesn't mean that God isn't interested in them, doesn't mean that God doesn't want to hear them. It's just a universal truth that these are the easiest things for us to pray about because these are things that we need. What I want to encourage you to do is, is not just find yourself at a place where you pray about things you need after you've already put a plan in motion, after you've already prepared, after you've already sat down and thought through all the results, what I want to encourage you to do is make this the first step in your process and not the last step. I want to encourage you when you find yourself at a place where you need something for your first response, your first response to be to pray about it. That it's just a reflex that you have. That as soon as you find yourself needing something, before you plan, before you prepare, and planning's important and preparation's important, Nobody's saying that those things aren't wise or prudent to do. They're incredibly wise and prudent to plan and to prepare. But the first step, the first step needs to be that we pray about it. It needs to be that we pray about it. Now today we're going to talk a lot about prayer because I really believe this will change your life. If this becomes a discipline in your life, it will change your life. I guarantee you that. But we're not just going to talk about prayer. We're going to actually do it. It's great, to, it's great to talk about prayer. It's great to have a theology of prayer. But we need to actually put it in practice. We need to actually engage in it. And so in the quietness of this room, in the quietness of your heart, in just a minute, I'm going to ask that we all collectively pray for needs that we have. And this is universal. We all have needs. Now, our needs are going to look differently based upon what we're going through based upon what we're experiencing. Your needs are going to be different than my needs. And that's okay. God's going to hear our needs, and God's going to respond. But let's collectively, in the quietness of this room, pray and ask God to work on the things that we need. Amen. The next category is, is prayers. And you're like, hmm? Well, we just prayed. Right, but, but this is just in a general nature. Prayers of a general nature. And sometimes people wrestle with and they wonder, well, what do I pray about? What do I pray about? Either because they were taught a formula in church earlier in their lives or, or maybe from their parents or maybe you know, there, there's a routine of prayer before meals or before bed and, and they feel like I, I don't have that routine down. I don't know all those words. I haven't memorized all those things. But what do I, what do I pray about? And the answer for what you pray about is what's on your heart. What's on your mind? Pray about it. 
Pray about the things that are on your heart and on your mind. This is what's fascinating about prayer, is that God is not some distant, far-off God, but God is concerned with the intricate details of our life. God is concerned with what we would consider mundane. God is concerned with the day in and day out that we experience and that we encounter. That God is a personal God who has a personal relationship with us and is personally engaged and invested in our lives. And so if you find yourself at a place where you're like, I don't really know what to pray about and I don't really know what to do, the answer to what to pray about is what's on your heart and what's on your mind. Communicate about those things on your heart. Communicate about those things on your mind to God. And don't feel like you have to have some distinct prayer language that you have only between you and God. In your own way, in your own words, talk to God about those things that are on your heart and are on your mind. Don't complicate this. It doesn't have to be difficult. It's just authentic, and it's real, and it isn't always clean, and isn't always tidy, and it doesn't always have to start in the same way, and it doesn't always have to end in the same way. It's, God just wants you to be authentic, and he wants you to be real, and he cares about the things that are on your heart and are on your mind. And so whatever that is right now, outside of the needs that you just prayed about, Talk to God about the things that interest you. Talk to God about the things that excite you. Talk to God about the questions that you have. Talk to God about the passions that he's given you. Talk to God about your dreams. Talk to God about all of those things. It's just about communicating with the creator who loves you and is engaged and invested in your life. And so we're going to do that right now. Amen. Uh, the next category is intercessions. And, and like supplications, most of us don't use intercessions uh, frequently. So the idea behind prayers of intercession is, is for you to intercede. It's for you to draw near for a, for a private conversation. These are the prayers like when you're out at, at the restaurant or out at the bar, you, you bring your party in a little closer because you don't want everyone to hear the nature of the conversation. These are the things that are intimate. These are the things that are a little more secretive. These are the things that you're probably not going to publicize on the prayer list. These are the things that keep you awake at night. These are your regrets. These are your hurts. These are your failures. These are the things you only talk about with one or two other people who are near and dear friends and who have been with you. For years and seasons, these are the things that not everybody knows and everybody doesn't need to know. These are the whispers and the quiet conversations, the hurts, the regrets, your fears. And God says, invite me into that. Invite me into your hurt. Invite me into your regret. Invite me into your fear. These are the things that, frankly, are uncomfortable sometimes to talk about. And yet, these are the things that God wants us to, to tell him about as well. So right now, talk about your hurts. 
Talk about your failures. Talk about your fears. Talk about your regrets. Just give those things to God. Amen. And lastly are thanksgivings. And, and oftentimes these are the hardest pray, prayers to pray for some reason. I'm not really sure why. Well, one of the reasons is when things are going well, it's, it's just not natural to take time to reflect on them. When things are going well, we just celebrate. We just enjoy. Most people, when things are going great, most people don't think, I need to stop and thank God for it. We take it for granted. And we're not alone in that. If you look at the history of, of Israel throughout the Old Testament, this is their story. Things go well, they forget God. And that can be true of us. I hope it's not. I hope we learn to accept and receive blessing well. That sets us up for, for future blessing. But prayers of gratitude and prayers of thanksgiving can be incredibly difficult. Sometimes because things are going so well, we don't take the time to really reflect and, and notice God and the hand he had in all that. And sometimes these prayers are really difficult because things aren't going well. And we find ourselves in a season where life's incredibly difficult. We find ourselves in a place where we're becoming bitter. We find ourselves in a place where life isn't easy and it's hard. And we're looking at, at everything. And frankly, we don't feel like we have that much to be thankful for. And nothing could be further from the truth. No matter how hard life gets, no matter what hand you've been dealt, there is always something to thank God for the fact that you woke up today. Today wasn't promised to any of us. And the fact that God has given us today, he's given us another day at life. He's given us another opportunity to love and to serve and to encourage and to find joy and experience this world. That's something to thank him for. So if, time, if things are really good, make sure you thank God. And if things are really bad, Make sure you thank God. And right now, let's just praise Him and thank Him for the blessings in our life. Amen. And now there's a transition when we see 1 Timothy 2, verse 2, when we read these words. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And so we move from prayers that are all about us and about us as, as people, and now we see that we're to pray for other people. And the first category of people that we're to pray for is politicians. And we're like, what? What? Why? Well, there's a couple reasons. First, many politicians are hostile to God and the things that we celebrate. That's, that's, not, that's not universally true, but there are a number of politicians who are hostile to God and to the very things that we celebrate as a result of us following after God. In fact, at the time of this writing, there was an emperor named Nero, and Nero decided it'd be a good idea to murder people because they followed after Jesus. 
That's why. He had them killed because they made the decision to follow after Jesus. And in light of that, we're given this instruction that we are to pray for kings and all who are in high positions. That we are to pray for our leaders. And, and why do we do this? Well, that we, as people who follow after God, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So God's desire for us is that we, people who follow after Jesus, we would manifest love, that we would manifest goodness, that we would highlight all of these things. And that begins here. It begins inside of these walls. It's one of the reasons that we gather together. We gather together to worship together and to celebrate together what God has done for us. We gather together to encourage one another because we realize that life is messed up and life is hard. And there are situations and there are circumstances that we all face that we can't do alone. And we've never been called to do them alone. That when we made the decision to follow Jesus, we've been we become part of something so much bigger than us. We are part of a community that God has called everyone who makes the decision to follow after him to be a part of. That nobody is to walk through life alone. And that's one of the reasons that we gather together. It's to support one another because we realize outside of these walls, the world is a messed up place. And so we worship God together. We encourage each other. That's why it's so important when you're here that, that we do gather together and we encourage you and we celebrate you. It's our goal that every person who walks inside these doors at Lakeside experiences that love, experiences the understanding that they matter somewhere. They matter to God and they matter to us because they matter to God. This is, this is why we have donuts. It's, it's not just to feed you breakfast on Sunday. I mean, we'll feed you breakfast if you're hungry. That's cool too. But the goal of the donuts is to give you an opportunity to link up next to somebody and just to experience that community. And sometimes people have been walking together through 15 years of things. And you know, you know how important that is to have the friend that's been beside you for 15 years. You have done life together and you've experienced the good times in the bad times, you've experienced the hardships and the joys and you've linked arms and you've walked together through those things. And when you see each other, you just, you can't help it. And that's, that's an awesome thing that you have. And we want everyone to experience that feeling that nobody walks through life alone. But what we've got to make sure is that there are people who walk in these doors and we have to make sure that they understand that we love them too. And they might walk in the doors and be like, well, Nobody's talking to me. Why is that? Because sometimes talking to people's hard. It's hard. If you're an introvert, it's really hard work to walk across the room. And even if you're not an introvert, it's hard. Because you're like, well, do I have donut on my face? I just drank coffee. Do I have coffee breath? Um, and walking across the room and saying, hi, I'm Brian, to somebody you've never met before, it can be intimidating, especially if you're more introverted. And and some of you are extroverts. Like you get energized on the fact. You, you see somebody you don't know and you're like, oh, there's fresh meat somewhere. Where is it? Where is it? Like you're, you're excited. But if you walk up to that person in all your excitement and they're an introvert, you are freaking them out. 
And they don't know how to tell you that, but they're like taking 10 steps back. And if you're a close talker, you're taking 10 steps with them. And it just becomes real awkward for them. And on the flip side could be true, though. What if people walk in these doors and we're spending so much time talking to people we've known for 15 years, we don't take the time to introduce ourselves and encounter them? Could it be that somebody might think that they don't matter, that we don't love? And so there's all of this that's at play here. And, and what we've got to do is we've just got to realize that every single person who walks in these doors matters. And we love everyone that we have the opportunity to encounter. And that doesn't mean you ignore your friend that you've walked through life for 15 years with. But it does mean make it a point to just say hi to somebody new. Make sure that nobody has the opportunity to say, hey, I, I went to the lakeside and I left. And you know what? It didn't matter that I showed up. I was invisible to them. Because every single one of us needs encouraged. And if you're an introvert and you get cornered by an extrovert, we're really sorry. Like, give us a symbol or something. We'll pull the extrovert away from you, all right? We will, just like one of those. We'll pull them away, all right? We'll know you don't want to kill them. Well, maybe you do. But we'll just pull them away and, and give, you some, give you some space. But we've got to make it so everybody who walks in these doors realizes just how much they matter to us. Because they matter to God. Because there are a number of places you can go that are going to beat you up. And there are a number of places you can go that want to take something from you. They want to discourage you. There's no shortage of that in the world. But what we want to do is we want to gather to worship and to celebrate and to encourage. And we gather to scatter. It's not just inside these walls. No, this is a time for us to be refilled. This is a time for us to be encouraged. This is a time for us to be energized so that when we leave this place, we encounter the world that is in desperate need of hope and in desperate need of love. And then we just, we personify those things to a world that so desperately needs it. So we live in a broken and a flawed place. And there are people who for whatever reason have signed up to help manage this broken and flawed place. And whether you agree with their politics or not, we're told to pray for them. And so that's what we're going to do right now. I encourage you to pray however God leads you, to pray for President Biden, to pray for our senators, to pray for our congressmen and women, to pray for our governor and all those in positions of authority as they do what we've elected them to do and what God has placed them in their positions to do. Amen that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And then verse 3 goes on to say this, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. This is the life that God desires of us. And verse 4 goes on to say this, Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What does God desire? You. Your family. Your friends your enemy. 
God wants everyone to taste and to experience salvation. And the same should be true of us. God wants everyone to experience salvation. And the same should be true of us. That God's desire is for all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's what drives the heartbeat of God. And that must drive us as well. That we would live our lives in such a way to point others to the hope and the love and the mercy and grace of Jesus. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only path to God, and Jesus, he mediates for us. Jesus literally assists us in reaching a settlement with God. Now, last week we talked about the fact that we can be reconciled. We can be reconciled to God who we rebelled against, and what the Bible calls sin, and that's true universally. We've all rebelled against God, but now reconciliation is not only available to us, but God in Jesus mediates for us on our behalf, that Jesus literally assists us in reaching the settlement with God. Jesus is our advocate. He's our advocate. When I was in middle school, we didn't have cell phones. I'm old. I grew up in a time where there there weren't cell phones. And I would remember some days after school, there would be things I would want to do. And so I had a choice to make. Call my dad or call my mom? Well, I was never calling my mom because the answer was going to be no. But if I called my dad, I'm like, chances are maybe he'd just say yes. So the percentages were much better. I'd get the answer I wanted to if I called my dad than if I called my mom. My dad had a lot of meetings that would go on during the day. And one day there was something very important that I needed to ask my dad about. I'm not really sure what it was, but it, it was very important to me at the time. And I called his office. And I got one of the assistants who answered the phone, and they said, hey, your dad's in a meeting right now, and he said not to, not to have any calls come through. And I hung up the phone. And I didn't have access to ask my dad a very important question at the time that I can't remember today that I wanted to ask him. And I waited a few minutes. And then I remembered Lynn. Now, Lynn was my dad's main assistant. And Lynn is the type of assistant that you need. The type of assistant that when you say, hey, hold all my calls, if the president of the United States of America calls, they're still not getting through. But also the type of assistant that's not afraid of anybody. Because every time I called and Lynn answered, I got through. Lynn was the type of assistant who'd go bust into a meeting and be like, yeah, I know you said no calls, but it's your son online so-and-so. And so I called the church back. Now, again, this was before cell phones. So I dialed star 67 so the Persley family wouldn't show up on the caller ID. And the same assistant who answered the phone wouldn't say, I just talked to you and you can't talk to your dad. And I practiced the lowest my voice could go. So when they answered the phone, I said, hi, is Lynn there? And uh, they transferred me to Lynn. And I said, hey, Lynn, it's Brian. Uh, I need to ask my dad a question. And she said, all right, hold on a minute. And she went and she interrupted that important meeting. And my dad got on the line. And I asked my dad the question. And he gave me the answer. And then he said, hey, I I can't talk long, but I got to go. Do you need anything else? And I said, no. And I learned something that day. 
I learned something about being a father that day. That no matter how busy you are, you should have time for your kids. And I also learned that day the value of knowing who to talk to. I learned the value of finding an advocate. Because Lynn was willing to walk into that meeting because she knew the heart of my dad. And she knew that the sun is on the line. Do you understand the advocate you have in Jesus? That when you pray, Jesus is taking your prayers to God. That's how much God loves you. You think God has a few things going on? Just a couple. And he's got time for you to hear about your needs to hear about your passions, the things that are on your mind, to hear about your regrets and the things that haunt you and keep you up at night, to hear about the things that you're thankful for, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Jesus doesn't doesn't just speak to our defense like an attorney in a courtroom. Jesus literally purchased our freedom. He purchased our redemption. It's like Jesus walked into the bank, paid off the mortgage, turns around, and hands us the deed to the house. This is the relationship that we have with God. And and Paul says, this needs to blow your minds. This should blow your minds. He says, for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in the faith and truth. Paul says, you don't get it. You don't get how how big of a deal this is. He says, I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying about this. You Believe me, God loves you this much. God does this for you. And then, seemingly out of nowhere, he says, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. What? Well, remember, Jesus was Jewish. And so there were a number of Jewish people who would say, Jesus is only for us. Jesus is only for us. And what Paul says is, no, 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 no. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for the Jews, but Jesus is also for the Gentiles. Jesus is for every race. Jesus is for men, and Jesus is for women. Jesus is for everyone. And that's our heartbeat. Jesus is for you. And he's for your family. And he's for your neighbor. And he's for your enemy. The hope of Jesus is available to anyone and everyone. And the heartbeat of God is that all would experience the hope that he offers. Jesus is for everyone. And for those of us who made the decision to follow after him, one of the incredible benefits of that 
is that we have a mediator. And a God who's not distant, but who's concerned in every detail of our lives. Who cares about the needs that you face. Who cares about the things that are just on your mind. Who cares about your hurts and your regrets. Who cares about the things that you're excited about that are going well for you. Who wants you to walk through life connected with others so that you can be built up and encouraged because he knows this world's a hard place. Who cares about the future and the direction of us and calls us to pray for our politicians, whether we voted for them or not. And who helps us see that our hope is not in politics anyways. That our hope is available to us because our mediator has offered us reconciliation. And as people who follow after God, this is available to us. The God of our universe And the God who created us cares about us and wants us to talk to him. I promise you, if you will start to practice this, if you will make prayer a discipline in your life and you will practice it and put it in place, it will change your life. I promise you that. And the place you start is what's already in your head and what's already on your heart. God, thanks for being a God who loves us. Who is concerned with what we encounter. Who cares about us collectively and individually. Who cares about our hopes who cares about our needs, who cares about the things that are just on our mind, who cares about the parts of us that we don't show many people or sometimes anyone, who cares about our regrets and our hurts, who cares about the things that we're excited about and thankful for, God, I pray that we would be people who don't take that for granted. And who frequently pray to you. Thanks for being a God who loves us all and desires everyone to experience grace and redemption, forgiveness and hope. And I pray, God, that that in the same way that that drives your heartbeat, it would drive our heartbeat individually and collectively. That we would live in such a way that we would show the world that there is love and there is hope in a world desperately in need of it. And God, this world sometimes will tear us down. This world will beat us up. So we need each other. We need to be encouraged 
And I pray that this place, Lakeside, would be a place that does exactly that. That every person who walks in these doors would experience love. That every person who walks in these doors would be pointed to the hope of you, Jesus. The God who's available to everyone, regardless of race or gender, socioeconomics, or anything else. And Lord, as we proclaim that, we ask that you would use us in a big way here at Lakeside. God, as we have the opportunity now to give back to you just a portion of what you've entrusted to us, I pray with generosity and with gladness we would give to you. Lord, as we sing, that we would stand and we would celebrate and we would cry out to the God who loves us and is concerned with every aspect of our lives. In your Son, Jesus, our mediator and advocate's name we pray.